Welcome back to As the Prop Turns. I'm your host, Kat, and today we are continuing with women in aviation with one of the most interesting women I know. We will be talking with Susie Barrett today, who has done so many interesting jobs in aviation, so we are in for a real treat with stories on the podcast today. She was a student here, an instructor here, and a mentor here at SFS, um, and now she's off doing some really cool things. Um, so without further ado, Susie Barrett, everyone, thank huh? you so much for being here. Yeah, hey. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Super. All right. So the first question I always like to start off with, what got you into aviation? Um, okay. So that's really easy for me. Uh, I grew up in Houston. I was a 80s child. So uh, Challenger went into space. Um, I saw uh, Sally Ride go into space before the Challenger. Um, when Sally Ride went into space, she came back and she did a tour around all the Houston public libraries. Uh, so I got to meet Sally Ride as How a little cool. girl and I was like, ah, yeah. starstruck. I had her book, she signed it. And I was just like, from that point on, I was like, oh, I'm going to be Sally Ride. That is um, awesome. Oh, it was super awesome. And then because I was very popular, I went to space camp when <laughs> I was in middle school. <laughs> um, I actually wrote an essay on why my parents should send me to space camp instead of it. Washington, D.C. And again, very popular. And uh, went there, and they had um, an IMAX on the history of flight. And uh, I saw the Blue Angels, and I was like, yeah, forget space. I want to do that. <laughs> and, um, and then I was hooked from that on. Um, I went back home, and I started flying when I was 14. Um, I took a job at a little place making smoothies, like at a health food store, okay. which is probably why I'm a health nut now. <laughs> and um, every cent that I had, I saved so that I could do an introductory flight and start oh. flying. Like I was just, I always knew, and we were right under the approach paths for intercontinental. Okay. So like we would see continental at the time come in and out. And yeah. I was just, I, I would, my, my grandmother and my mom will tell you, like I'd walk down the street and I would say, I'm flying so-and-so here. Or I'm flying so-and-so there, you know? And they're like, that's right. You will. Yeah. You know, my mom was very supportive too, because awesome. she didn't have those opportunities when she was younger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. So you started flying at 14. Did you like, that's when you started your flight training or? Yeah. So I thought I was going to start there. Um, and uh, so I had all these dreams and aspirations. I was going to be a fighter pilot, right? So I saw the Blue Angels. So I thought okay. I was going to go into jets. And um, I got a, um, I got an in at the Air Force Academy. Oh, wow. I was going to go the Air Force Academy route. And so I wanted to get at least soloed at the local school before I did that. Right. <clears throat> so I started flying there with the intentions of soloing. And then I made um, the unfortunate mistake of meeting an Air Force recruiter and mm. being very young and impressionable and not knowing the difference between an Air Force recruiter and the Air Force Academy. Mm. Um, I decided that I would not be going to um, the Air Force Academy. So, um, and I remember it, it was uh, it's like, you know, remember in your high schools when you would have all of the colleges come yeah. and entertain you there? Sure. Okay, so well, they had everybody come and um, and they had... Uh, the Air Force Academy guys set up in the cafeteria and those, you remember those plastic waffle thing, like dividers? You can hear everything mm -hmm. through there. Well, they were interviewing our star running back at the time who I and the school knew was illiterate. And <laughs> they, they were like, oh, you're what we need. You're what we want. Blah, 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 blah. And then I came up and I'm like, hi, I'm in the Latin club and I'm also a part of this and that. And I'm a private pilot or going to be a private pilot and I want to go to, and I'm going to the Air Force Academy. And it was like, yeah, you're not what we're looking for. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. It was like a, it was really crushing. It was soul crushing. And so I went back to my counselor and I was like, I'm not going to the Air Force Academy, sir. And he's like, no, you're going. And I said, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> and, um, and he said, well, here's your only two options because I'm old y'all. Um, the <laughs> only two options that he gave me were UND um, and Embry-Riddle and the UND flyer had people smiling, walking with like snowbanks up to here. And I was like, these people are liars. I'm going to Embry-Riddle. <laughs> so, um, that's kind of how I got into there. And when I started to get into Embry-Riddle, they were like, Hey, don't, don't bother continuing. Cause you're going to have to come back over here and, fin- and do checkouts here. And there's no reason for you to solo before you get here. Okay. So I kind of, I discontinued at that time sure. and started back fresh, uh, freshman year at Embry-Riddle okay. in Daytona. Okay. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did your, what did your flight training at that point look like? Uh, like yeah. 141? 141. And, mm-hmm. I mean, Embry-Riddle is pretty, uh, very SOP driven, okay. uh, very uh, qual standards are very scripted. Mm-hmm. One forty one program, just like here. Sure, um, lot more rigid, lots of, okay. um, but very similar to what you, what we have here today. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like um, the prog checks and the stage checks that we had, mm-hmm. and um, you know, check check pay, pilots specifically, mm-hmm. and very scripted. You know, I was at a time right before September 11th, right? Okay. So that's when I was in Embry-Riddle, um, was 96 to 2000. So that was somewhat of like the bubble just mm-hmm. about to burst. Okay. So uh, my I went and got my private at Embry-Riddle and I was start, but it took me um, over a year to get 60 hours. Oh, wow. That's how, um, be, and the reason it took me over a year to get 60 hours was not because of proficiency. It was because I went through seven instructors. Oh, wow. Yeah. They were just being gobbled up. Yeah. And at the time, this is before the, like the conglomeration of all the regionals happened. Mm-hmm. So we had like Independence Air, we had Express Jet, we had Com sure. Air, we had, uh, Endeavor, we had all of these, um, Pinnacle, we had all of these regionals mm-hmm. that just could not get enough pilots at yeah. the time. And so, um... All of my instructors were just being picked uh, as soon as could be. So when I came to my inst- to my instrument, I was really like, "Hey, I need to get this going, y'all." Yeah. And um, they put me immediately in the FTDs to space us out, and we kind of just sat there. And I told myself, if I sit here one more month, I'm going to go across the street and go and fly Part 61. Yeah. And um, I didn't want to do Part 61. Mm-hmm. And luckily, during that time, another 141 program popped up across the street mm-hmm. and um it was right next to Phoenix East. Oh really? Phoenix East was part sixty one at the time. Okay. They were not part one forty one at the time, but Rightway was. And so I went to Rightway and there was a reciprocal agreement with Embry Riddle at that time oh, that nice. if you went off campus, because they had no choice, they couldn't yeah. train you. So if you went off campus, they would um certify your one forty one um oh, training yeah. for for credit for for your degree per, uh, completion. Sure. Yeah. So I did, I did a little mix there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, did you like, what ratings did you have by the time you graduated? So I had, uh, so in my junior year, um, my junior year of college, uh, I started to see people all of a sudden not getting hired. Mm. Like it started to slow down mm-hmm. and it was right, right before everything stopped. Yeah. And, um, I had already been taking some business classes and I thought to myself, you know, if something was to ever happen to me health wise or whatever, 
what would I do? Right. You know, am I going to be a mattress salesman? Like, what would I do if I lost my vision? If I yeah. got diabetes? Like, what would I do? And so I, um, at the time, I swapped majors. So I got a business degree with a minor in flight ops okay. and um, in flight training specifically. Um, and that changed everything. That changed my whole projection because I was no longer qualified for the flight operations internships. Now I was qualified for the business internships and I did an uh, internship with US Airways and network strategy. Oh, wow. And that kind of led me into my career kind of craziness that's different okay. than everybody else yeah. um, later on, but came in helpful. Um, and then, um, and then, so when I graduated, I graduated like maybe only, I don't know, like less, less than a semester short of a double major. Um, okay. yeah. So, uh, I graduated with all of my commercial and commercial multi, um, at the same time. Okay. Yep. I get, wow. I got everything, but it was kind of not the traditional aerosci way. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So after you graduated and like when did 9-11 happen in relation yeah. to that? Because you were planning on going to the airlines at that point, right? Right. So um, I had finished everything, all of my ratings and I was working at the time. I'd, I'd graduated early and I was working for the time uh, for uh, AirTran who had just popped up, you know, Florida, Air Florida crash had happened and um, and they reformed under AirTran. AirTran was in Orlando and a lot of the guys that I worked with at US Airways for my internship immediately came down there to AirTran so they would, because they had more autonomy and they're starting a new sure. airline. And um, they had data compilation needs. They um, needed data for making decisions for network sure. that they didn't have access to, but Embry-Riddle Library did. Oh. And so um, I was able to run reports and get data and um, and bring that to them. And in, in return, they kind of gave me a job right out of college, and it was good. Um, so I was doing that, and I was finishing out my ratings, like a, the, the multi-engine, and that brought me to like April of, of 2001. Okay. And, um, and then... Uh, September 11th hit right after that. Um, and like I told you before, we everybody kind of already saw the slowdown. Okay, that mm-hmm. wasn't a surprise, but mm-hmm. this was just like kind of nail in the coffin. Yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, nothing recovered. Um, at the time, I had just... Um, so I came out of Embry-Riddle and had all my ratings, and I decided um, that I was I needed to go home. Uh, back to Houston mm-hmm. and I needed to start paying off some debts yeah. <laughs> from school. You know, I don't regret Embry-Riddle. I met my husband there. Yeah. You know, we were, you know, instrument flight program together, so you cute. know, very cliche. <laughs> and, um, you know, he'll kid with you that I was like one of only five girls on campus. That might've been true, but, <laughs> um, but it was, it was a small, uh, group and I, so I don't regret any of that, but yeah. it, it was expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not the most economical choice. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, but friends for life, so yeah. and network for life, so I don't regret it. They, um, so I just needed to start paying student loans off. So I, when I went home to Houston, I put out two resumes. I put one out for um, Continental at, to work actually in um, uh, corporate, and I put one to Continental Express to fly the ATR. And I really wanted to fly the ATR, mm-hmm. but I was probably like 
just a hundred hours short. Oh, wow. And I remember talking to somebody um, at Condo Express. He's like, I would hire you today, but you need like 200 more hours. Just go out and fly mm-hmm. and come back. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> but 200 hours was like $2 million for yeah. me at the time. Like, you know, there's no way I could have even begun to pay that back. Um, and again, everything has stopped. Mm-hmm. So literally two months later, everything had stopped. And... Um, Hamilton had just graduated. That's my husband. Mm-hmm. He had graduated at the same time, and he was he had just finished up uh, getting his CFI, and then it was er, September eleventh, mm. and um, no jobs to be had anywhere. I was lucky and fortunate enough to have contacts back in Daytona, and or I could still fly and keep my feet wet, you know, kind nice. of in the sky and. He ended up taking a job in Puerto Rico flying DC-3s. Oh, wow. And cargo. And that was an experience. Um, that company's no longer in business. Uh-huh. Um, none of those planes even exist anymore. <laughs> They're at the bottom of the ocean. And oh, it, boy. It's a, yeah. Um, it was an experience. And uh-huh. um, I do believe some of those experiences at some of these companies is like um, a sandpaper experience. Like mm. it, it, it wears you out, but maybe in just the right places. Sure. Um, very tough, but uh-huh. he needed, he was so, he's very Georgia peach, you know, mm. like he's to, um, speak up or say something against, uh, a senior sure. or a person was very disrespectful in his mind. Mm-hmm. And he thought it was rude and disrespectful to say anything. Um, and that helped him speak up and okay. say things and that, and, um, so I was working for Continental at the time and cargo revenue management, not what I wanted to be doing. Right. Um, but I was p- making great money mm-hmm. and I was paying back my student loans and mm-hmm. I wasn't really looking to elevate, but I was getting elevated and, um, it wasn't really something I had a passion for, but it sure. came naturally, um, revenue management and, um, uh, and it was interesting. Like it was really interesting to learn about cargo yeah. and how that works and how they make money off of it and profitability and, um, and I loved Continental. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Um, I hated living in Houston. Yeah. <laughs> We've talked about this. Yeah. I mean, I love Houston because mm-hmm. I was raised there, but <laughs> I love their food and I miss their people, but it's a concrete jungle. But anyway, you always want what you don't have, right? right? So I wanted green. I wanted lots of green. Mm-hmm. I wanted green, green trees. I wanted um, nature. I wanted to be outside by mountains, you know, and hills and, and that just wasn't it yeah so um I did my time in Houston to get myself financially set up on my feet and then as soon as I could I went back to flying (laughs) yeah and that was what got me back to flying so even post September 11th and when nobody's flying I went back to Embry-Riddle where I had contacts Mm -hmm. and I started flying 414s and um for a friend who's like a a dad to Mm me um and a mentor truly um, and I got a, you know, a C, pl- well, seaplane rating came later, but I got, you know, I went and got my CFI and tried to go that route. And I, um, I flew King Airs at the time and I was just doing, you know, doing what you do to stay, um, uh, in the game yeah. without, yeah. And to build time mm-hmm. and experience. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's not like a, there's no, 
that's what's so hard with being a pilot. There is no clear defined path. You know, mm-hmm. there's not like, well, you do this and then you take this next right. step. And spe- so there's, true. there's more of that now than there ever was before. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to sound like back in my day when I was flying <laughs> with Wilbur, but you know, but, <laughs> But there's more of that now than there ever was because Uh like with all these pathway programs, right? Right. Like brilliant. Um, Mm -hmm. I think Lufthansa was one of the first people who came out with that. Okay. though, And it took us like a decade to adopt it. Yeah. I mean, truly. So I feel like now there's more than ever, there's been real concrete steps people can take to take that leap Mm -hmm. without sacrificing their entire, um, you know, lifestyle and career. Oh, for um, sure. You know, like, because back when I was doing that, you know, you get into a job at a regional. This is before the Colgan crash. So you get into a regional and you'd make, if you're lucky, $17,000 a year. Mm. You can't even live on that. Right. I mean, you couldn't, you definitely couldn't even afford a crash pad mm. on that. Um, and commuting, forget it. It, right. it is just wicked. It, there's no way. Um, and then to take that corporate job that I had and go back to 17,000 a year. Um, that's, it was really tough, really mm-hmm. tough. I, and I just didn't have a chance to do that. I, I could not, um, financially take that at that time, take that risk. Right. But you know, as with everything chance, my path, uh, it would come later on. The, the opportunity would come later on. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So you left Continental in Houston mm-hmm. and you went back to Daytona mm-hmm. to do some flying for friends mm-hmm. and stuff. What did you do after that? Well, I was going for my CFI. Okay. And um, so I get, to the, I get to the place where I'm flying and they're like, hey, we know you have corporate knowledge. Will you come run our, our FBO for us? Oh, wow. Will you do charter for us? Will you do this for us? And I'm like, yes, but will you help me get my CFI? Yes. Okay. But... Um, turned out to be way more, you know, than I bargained mm. for. I was young and impressionable. and Sure. So I was still flying for friends and everything like that. But then I went to get my CFI. And um, at the time, uh, oh gosh, I, I had the worst. I have like the cliche, wham, 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 you know. <laughs> I was wrong to start <laughs> story. Um, I actually, this is back at the time when you did your CFI, you actually had to go to a FISDO. And um, I flew out to Orlando and it was the week of Thanksgiving to get my CFI with this FISDO agent. And he stood me up. So I rented a plane. I'd flown out there. You have to get in a taxi cab because they're not at Orlando Executive. Um, and like, and we didn't have Uber back then because again, <laughs> old. So like we get, so I get in the taxi, I go out to the FISDO and of course, it's the week of Thanksgiving. Nobody's there. And he's not there. And I had even called earlier that week to confirm we're still on, right? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Long story short about it. We don't. It doesn't go. So then he says, oh, so sorry about that. Why don't, you, why don't you just come out to my place out in Merritt Island and we'll get it done there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Okay, fine. So I go out to Merritt Island the following week, fly into um, the little tiny airport, Get there. It's an eight o'clock start, so you know I'm there early, prepared. Mm. Seven o'clock. Everything is laid out, super prepared for sure. Mm. <laughs> and um, and it's train the trainer day. He brings in his buddy, and I was going for a CFII initial, mm. which not is not very common. People right. don't do that. But that school had a need for instrument instructors. They didn't need another private instructor. Sure. So, um, I went for a CFII. Well, they didn't know what that was. They didn't 
all of my lesson plans were on instruments and stuff, and they didn't ask me one instrument question. Well, you should just know how to teach this. You're going to be, you know, teaching them as well. Okay. Yes, I will draw you the schematics of the airplane. You know, like <laughs> fine, we'll talk about that. Um, but the oral lasted eight plus hours. Wow. We they took a three hour lunch um, <gasps> for barbecue, and then they came back, and it was like, okay, it's five o'clock. Are we ready to go for this flight now? Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I'll go. Okay, why don't you go prep the airplane and get, you know, do the walk around and get everything ready and, and we'll go. Well, I went out there to go get the walk around and I'm looking at the sun and I'm like, this is a day VFR airport. And that we're, unless you, so I was like, hey, listen, unless you can tell me this flight's going to be over in 45 minutes. We can't complete. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, don't worry about it. I'll just write you a letter of discontinuity, and then you guys can come back and get that done whenever. Well, that letter didn't show up uh, to my doorstep until three days before it was supposed to expire. <gasps> so that time frame, right? Because you have a time frame that you have to get re-signed off and go back up. Mm-hmm. And I'd called. I'd written emails. I'd, like, everything, carrier pigeon, trying mm. to get it. Never did. And I was so bitter about this, okay, mm-hmm. that... Um, I just, I was so bitter. I just didn't, I, I, at the time I was probably very immature, mm. um, to be honest, to look back on it, but I was so angry and bitter about it. I was like, it just must, must not meant to be. Right. You know? And, um, and then I got a phone call from a friend who was in Spirit Airlines down in Fort Lauderdale. And my mom and dad were going through a n- nasty divorce oh. and I had moved her to Fort Lauderdale. And when I was there, I had met up with them and had lunch and, and it was like, Hey, you know, we're hiring. And I'm like, oh, you are? What are you hiring for? <laughs> and we're hiring in revenue management. Would you, oh, great. Would you be interested in, <laughs> in coming? And I was like, well, I'll check it out, this little airline named Spirit. And at the time, Spirit had 88s. They didn't have the 320s. So um, it was still back when it was like being owned and operated by Ned, who was the original owner of Spirit. Wow. And um, I, was, I was really interested in working for a small company where you had a lot of autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting, and um, so I was like, I'll take the job, and uh, money, and I thought I could still fly while I was down there. Mm-hmm. Well, that turned out to be not true. I was not flying at all, mm. but also Spirit is what got me into training, okay. because um, Spirit was that sandpaper experience. Like you, um, It wasn't uncommon for the CEO to come sit down at your desk and go, why did that flight oversell at this amount mm-hmm. of money, and you're he wasn't coming for him to call you out by name and say, Hey, can you tell me what happened here? Um, and then, uh, I, they asked me to work in finance and I said, okay. And, um, (laughs) I started doing budgeting and financial planning for a few departments. One of them was flight operations. And now I'm working with, um, now we're starting to get, uh, taken over, and uh, Ned has stepped down, new ownership has come in, and we're going to the 320s, and we've got Northwest people coming in and bringing our airplanes to the 320s, right? Mm-hmm. So all different budgetary things, and I'm sitting here and having conversations with the uh, chief pilot at the time, and he's like, wait a minute, what do you do for us? <laughs> I was like, I'm in finance, I'm, I'm in you know, finance, I'm a project manager for finance. He's like, uh, why are you in finance? And, <laughs> and so we start talking and he's like, yeah, you need to be in, you need to be in flight operations. You need to be working with us. And so, um, we, I started, I started over in flight operations and I worked with 
some of the things that you do, like mm-hmm. records and training, and um, and then I was teaching an in-doc class, and then I was teaching the FMS and on the 320, and then I was in interviews, and then I was doing like a lot of things. It's wow. just mushroomed, and um, and I loved it, but mm-hmm. it was I had no life. Mm. Like I loved what I did. Yeah, I absolutely loved it, and. Um, I was young, had no obligations. Hamilton's offline, his best life ever. You know? <laughs> and um, we had been dating for a hot minute at that point. So, um, you know, it was great. I had, I had a wonderful time at Spirit. I really did. Um, and it was so much fun because you had full autonomy. Like yeah. you had no corporate stuff right. to come down and say, you're not doing that right. Mm-hmm. No, we were, we were collaborating and we're, we're developing like learning content and there's like a bunch of us that are like we don't know what we're doing we're just doing it together and yeah. figuring it out and That's and so taking fun. the best of yes it was so much fun and liberating and um uh yeah so i was supposed to go to the line out of that program new leadership kind of came in things changed all of a sudden that's not on the table anymore Aww. and that's okay it's Listen, when I tell you everything, yeah. like I don't, I hate when people tell you like everything happens for a reason. But I it hate, does. I hate that. Uh-huh. Like I hate it. <laughs> and I'm like, I choose to believe that is not true. <laughs> I choose to believe that circumstances have come my way mm-hmm. and it is a challenge to overcome. That's the way <laughs> I like to think of it. But, um, <laughs> but it's, uh, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Things happen in just the right way that you just can't even fathom or understand at the time. Mm-hmm. So I ended up, uh, um, I ended up, uh, you know, Hamilton, getting Hamilton. Actually, we, we, we started hiring off the first group off the street and Hamilton was flying as a captain. He was a direct hire captain, uh, at, um, he was flying the beach 1900 and I'll think of it in a second. Gulfstream International. Mm-hmm. And um, he was a direct hire there, and he was out of PBI. And um, I got him in the first class at, off the street at Spirit. So How cool. As soon as we started hiring, which – so he's been there for almost yeah. – he's still seven, there today. He's still there. He's And they Amazing. just opened – they just announced an Atlanta base, y'all. Our oh, lives wow. are about to change. So but, 17 years he's been there mm-hmm. not based in Atlanta, and no. y'all live here. And we live here. <laughs> We live here. Hey, listen, you you gotta love to hate it. You, gotta, you you really do. You have to love to hate this industry. You have to you have to have a passion for it, and um, otherwise it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. And and the hard days they'll kick your hiney. Mm-hmm. Um, the the hard days you have to go. You know what? This is still better than me putting together a budget. Yeah. <laughs> and then a whole panel and board of directors looking at it and going, ah, yeah, that's not what we wanted. Uh, do it again. <laughs> Still better than that. <laughs> Still better than that. Uh, perspective is everything in life. So, um, but anyway, yeah, he's been there and he loves it. And I love it. I, I, I It was a great experience. Mm-hmm. So he gets on at Spirit and we're like, so we've been together for like seven and a half years. I mean, we might have a commitment problem, I'm not sure, <laughs> but what are we doing? And then um, he's like, well, you know, I don't want to be in South Florida. I'm like, I don't either. And he said, I said, well, I don't want to go back to Texas. And he's like, I want to go back home to Georgia. And I'd like so to So he's go. from here? Yeah, he's mm-hmm. born and raised right here in Kennesaw Mountain. Oh. Kennestone. <laughs> so he said, uh, I want to go back home and I want you to go with me. And I'm like, 
All right. So I came. <laughs> so you up, got your green. Uh huh. I got my green. <laughs> I came up here. I did not have a job. Um, I. Uh, so you left Spirit. I did. He stayed at Spirit, but y'all moved back here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, yeah, so I didn't have a job. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I got like a little consulting job for a hot second for finance. <laughs> Again, <laughs> finance. That's my fallback plan, apparently. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I got this consulting job for a little bit just to tie, like just for extra income for to kind of bridge the gap while I was trying to figure out what am I going to do here? Am I going to go fly um, or am I going to continue in the training world? And Delta... Um, posted a job for a 757, 767 assistant fleet captain position. And I read this outline and I'm like, oh my gosh, this, this, this is me. This yeah. is my dream job. This is me managing a fleet just like I was doing at Spirit, but like on steroids. <laughs> and this, this is it. This is Delta, y'all. This is Delta. And I had interviewed there like two years, no, like one year prior and they had just come out of bankruptcy, and it was sad. <laughs> um, I remember going on campus, and everyone just looked quite miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was not a happy interview, and I walked away kind of going, I don't know if I want to be here. Yeah. Um, I was still on a leave of absence, ironically, from Continental. Um, they, uh, When I had left Continental, my boss, I, I remember him telling me, like, you'll be back, you'll be back. I'll just put you on leave of absence. And I kept on telling him, no, I appreciate that, Ed, but I'm not coming back. Mm-hmm. And um, and I guess he did it anyway. <laughs> he never really terminated me. And I didn't know that. So I didn't know that until I took the Delta job. And they're like, hey, are you, you're still a Continental employee. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I, I left a long time ago. So... <laughs> Because um, that kind of came to light when they started to merge with United. I was like, I had no idea I was still an employee with you. Sorry. Um, but um, so the Delta job, when I, I got that, um, I got interviewed. It was a contractor job, though. It was not a Delta full-time um, position. And uh, a lot of us were, uh, a lot of the people that were on uh, in the fleet training programs at that time were either retired or contract contract and it was a hard position to walk into I not knowing any better was just like hey everybody <laughs> I'm happy to be here and they're like mm. <laughs> grumble grumble um but wow what a fortunate um step for me um I worked with somebody, I got hired um, by two people who I would consider the best mentors of my life. And I feel like most, um, I think especially women, um, Mm -hmm. I'll say that, minorities, Mm -hmm. most minorities need a good champion. They need a good mentor. Somebody who's willing to invest in them and promote them Mm -hmm. and give them accolades when they deserve them Mm -hmm. because those don't come. Otherwise, yeah. Um, otherwise, you're beating your own chest, and that comes across as arrogant. Mm-hmm. And in a room full of military men, <laughs> you you can't you no. can't survive. And I'm not saying that to like, you know, um, I'm not saying that you you know you have to that 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 you have to like uh, um, cow tie down to that level. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that um, it, it, there's you have to know your audience, yeah. and how to be respected in mm-hmm. that room. Um, the gentleman I worked for, um, at the time, I didn't realize when I got hired, he was the, uh, 
senior vice president of flight operations and he had retired and um and then taken this job and then asked to take this job mm. um he, he joked that uh, retirement was the only thing he ever failed out continuously <laughs> and he's still working today Aww. as an instructor and he is my delta dad mm-hmm. he is my he's my delta dad yeah. like we still talk on the regular i still owe him so much um and uh he and, and that was the catalyst for kind of the future because I got hired in 2007 with him. In 2009, we started the merger with Northwest. And at that time, I was a contracted employee, like I said, um, and uh, the merger was announced and we all went to a meeting and they, they have, we're all in this big, big conference room and they're putting up these screens on the, on the, on the, on the wall and showing the new org chart. And I'm not there. <laughs> and I remember one of the other fleet captains going, patting me on the shoulder and going, oh, no, Suze, Suze, that's just a misprint. I'm, I'm sure you're here. I'm sure you're here. That's just a misprint. <laughs> and then we walked back, and I'm like, that's not a misprint. We walked back to our office, and he comes by a few minutes later, Suze, could you come here for a second? We have some bad news. And I was like, it wasn't a misprint, was it? And he goes, no, it's not a misprint. And I was like, that's all good. I said, I'm okay. We're going to figure it out. Well, at the time, I was managing the 757, 767 um, fleet pilot training group, and I was called an assistant fleet captain. Pilots will tell you, ah, I was assistant to the fleet captain. <laughs> I don't, tomato, tomato, we yeah. don't care. I can tell you that I was the only female on that floor in 2009 that was not an administrative assistant. Wow. Archaic mentality diversion inclusion (laughs) that did not exist Mm -hmm. okay and that I mean that was like walking back 20 years when I walked into Delta that's how I felt now Mm -hmm. a lot has changed since then so it's so much for the better Mm -hmm. you know but um I don't care what my title was but at the time um the merger was just announced I found out that my position was eliminated but actually it went to full-time employees as it should, okay? Mm-hmm. So like when you go through a merger, you want your full-time people to be protected. Yeah. The contractors go away, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's understandable. But um, one of the two gentlemen who originally hired me uh, came to me and said, hey, we're starting up a panel for integration, for flight operations specifically, and I know you have project management experience, and I know you have SharePoint experience, and I know you have um, Adobe experience for projects. And I would like to see if you'd like to work with me on this team. Now, at the time, that 757, 767 fleet was roughly 170 instructors. Okay. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And plus four FAA people. um, And the 76400 was included in the 7576 as well. So it was a lot to manage. Yeah. and I, I, I said initially, I don't know if I have the bandwidth to do that. And he said, don't say no. I want you to sleep on it. Come back tomorrow and tell me. And Dean, my mentor, Delta Dad, was like, Susie, it might, it might work out. You know, you don't have to dance until um, you go to the party. You don't have to dance unless anyone asks you. And I was like, I like that. So I slept on it. I went to the party. I signed up for it and uh, just to see what it was about. And then that ended up saving my job at Delta wow. because I was then um, the project manager of all both Northwest and Delta's flight operation integration. Wow. Um, and then I couldn't be eliminated. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I was managing the whole integration. I knew every single thing that was, we, we, we did it this way at Northwest, we did it this way at Delta, which one were we going to adopt and we moved forward and we had a real clear definitive program um, and we had very tight timelines and we had to meet SOC and which was single operating certificate and um, and we met it and uh, then uh, I needed to find a real job. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, there was a opening in publications, writing pubs and I called that... Um, notoriously the land of misfit toys it was like <laughs> where people went they needed to find a full-time position for but they didn't necessarily have all the qualifications for that okay. I didn't have qualifications for pub writing <laughs> but I went there and um I was working on the 330 at the time um which I had no experience with the 330 at all I knew nothing about the Airbus 330 I mean I knew the 320 FMS and that was about it mm-hmm. and um so it was a super uphill climb and in a post-merger world where you have completely different cultures and it was just a a very interesting time so after i took the um in the technical writing position um i stayed in that role for about a year and i told myself i would give it one year because i wanted to stay in flight operations but i wanted to keep moving because i didn't I didn't want people to think that I was um, settling and I wanted to stay there. I wanted to do other things. Um, I always wanted to fly. So I would take vacations at this time and like through a crude vacation and what have you. And I would go out and fly. <laughs> and then um, I would go and get a seaplane rating like up in Alaska. Nice. And yeah, it was so much fun. Oh. Let's talk about that. Tell us, tell us about that real quick. Oh, man. So it was my birthday and my husband said, what do you want to do? for your birthday and I was like I want to get my state plan rating and he's like okay and then we fast forward a year next birthday came and he said what do you want to do for your birthday I said I want to do the same thing I wanted to do last year I want to get a seaplane rating and I'm going to do it this year and if you're not doing it bye-bye I'm going <laughs> and he's like all right, all right so he starts researching it and he wants to do Jack Brown's in Florida and I'm like I mean yeah that sounds okay it's the cheap version but meh and I was like I was really kind of thinking like Alaska and he's like oh so he starts researching it. He's like, I mean, if you're going to go to Alaska and get this, I'm, I'm going to go with you. And I'm like, yeah, twofer. So, so we uh, go to Seattle. We're in Seattle transitioning on an airplane to go to Anchorage to get it done. And it is like the beginning of May. So it's still not super warm. And um, they had a really late winter and the, the rivers were just like thawing out. And starting to really flow and we get a call when I'm tr- when I'm connecting in Seattle from Anchorage saying hey bad news just got my my plane back and they put the floats on backwards oh, I know that sounds no. crazy but it's not going to be paired repaired in time for you to do these checks with me and um, uh, and so we're gonna have to reschedule or whatever but and I said oh well we're like we're, we're on a plane right now um, to come up there she's like okay I'm going to handle this. I'm going to make a couple phone calls. So like friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. We get to Alaska skiing floats out of Telkeetna, which is the base of Denali. Um, And it's a couple hours drive north of Anchorage. And it is phenomenal. And so I did in this little Piper Pacer. 
and you stay in their little camp right there on the lake. How cool. And my Piper Pacer went 80 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the first landing and takeoff was amazing. And the first landing, I came and was landing on this little lake, and there was a bear, <gasps> like and a 45. And then I'm flying over a moose. And as I'm coming in for a landing and it wasn't the best landing. I'm just going to be honest. It wasn't great. And, and I told the instructor, as I'm like, all right, okay, fair, not a great landing. But in my defense, there was a bear and a moose and I'm freaking out a little bit. <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, you want to go see him? I'm like, yes. So then your, you know, your airplane turns into a boat and you just <gasps> motor on over. And let me just tell you, that is like doing that, ex- having that experience, that that's why I wanted to be a pilot. Yeah. Like those are the moments that you're just like, wow. Yeah. This is why I wanted to do it. It was just incredible. And so we were going to go back and get the skis and they had a, like you can go in the snow and mountains and get ski 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 ratings and tundra tire ratings and all this other stuff. And, um, but I, I got pregnant. And so (laughs) we didn't go back (laughs) the next year. I'm like, so if um, you don't mind me asking just cause I want to get my seaplane rating. Yeah. Um, like ballpark, how much did that run you guys? It's like fifteen hundred. That is not bad. At but that all. was also like ten years ago. So that's like yeah, that's like probably more than that now. But like back then, it was that it was like fifteen hundred. I take that back. It was two thousand with the check because the check, the instructor, the DPE at the end, you have to pay him in cash. And so it was like two two grand for each of us. What was what it was. And again, like you stay on their little campsite. I highly recommend it. It's Alaska Ski and Floats. You can do it in a weekend. But here's the deal, okay? What are you doing it for? Are you doing it for you can say so you can show somebody in your logbook you got a seaplane rating, or are you doing because you actually care and you really want to know? Mm-hmm. I really wanted to know. Like yeah. maybe that's a retirement gig for me. So I mean, it was to me, it was it was a phenomenal experience. I would highly recommend that to anybody. I regret not doing it when I was in college because in college, when I was really old, again with Wilbur, we <laughs> were it was like six hundred dollars in a weekend at Flagler. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. But, you know, again, $600 was a million dollars to me then. So um, everything's perspective. But they, but I, I would not trade this for the world. I love Jack Brown's down in, in Lakeland. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. Mm-hmm. They do a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. But, um, and there's lots of great days of flying. Mm-hmm. But if you're going for the, for the experience, I mean, uh, you can't beat Alaska. And they, they have, Minnesota has lakes like tons of lakes that you can go and get it done there. There's a lot of other places than just Florida. I think it's just easy and we think of Florida immediately being down here mm-hmm. in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I did a lot of like that kind of flying, like just on the on side. On your vacations? Mm, on my side. I just, that, that once you have been bitten by that bug, it doesn't go away, yeah. you know? And like once you, I mean, for me, it was, you know, a lifelong goal, lifelong passion. Mm-hmm. It didn't go away. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then... I got pregnant, started having kids, took another job, and then I started, I was, um, I did an, was a uh, manager in project management again for uh, the iPad uh, and the electronic flight bag for Delta. Um, on the IT side, I was liaison basically to flight operations. And so um, that was uh, a great experience. And, and then I started... Um, uh, I got my 
personal training certificate and I oh, would wow. like personal train in the gym I didn't there know at Delta mhm before babies um so <laughs> they I did personal training in the morning and then I did it in, at lunchtime and in the evening when I was not doing the project management stuff for IT and flight operations oh. and then um we started to shut down the DC9 and the 717 and the 717 was about to be purchased and I saw this this fleet captain that I ended up working for, he and I had a fun relationship. He was very crunch, very crusty, mm. crusty, grumpy old. Like, think of like the crusty old military, you know, guy or that you can think of from like all the picture movies mm. that you can like all of the stigmas. That was him, and um, but I would make fun of him, and we had a good rapport because I wouldn't take it. Mm. Like, and come to find out, his wife is very much like that too. <laughs> like, he would say something like that, you can't wear that shirt, Susan. You know, that has Delta wings on it. You're not a Delta pilot. You know, <laughs> and I'd be like, ooh, I'm just a lowly pilot, aren't I? You know, and I'd give him a hard time <laughs> yeah. back. And he would be like, nah, right, man. You know? <laughs> so we would, I would just like be play, playful with him. Yeah. And we were, we had a great rapport. Well, anyway... I had previously interviewed for the DC-9 fleet manager position, and he had, he had turned me down. And so he asked me one time when I was working in the, up there on the fourth floor, like, hey, you know, the 717 fleet manager position is coming about. Have you thought about applying for it? And I said, well, I don't know, Bob. Are you going to just turn me down again and hurt my feelings? <laughs> and, and he goes, all right, all right. I deserve that. But you didn't want that job anyway, you know, and... Um, and he, he's probably right. I didn't. Mm -hmm. It was a tough job, and because um, of mentality, mm -hmm. um, nobody wanted to be on the DC nine. Sure. No, if you were on the nine, you were being like basically um, retroed onto it and displaced onto it over and over again, and nobody wanted to be there. So, but I was excited to spring on a new fleet, and so uh, I was hired for the seven one seven fleet manager position, and um, uh, that became my baby. That became my living, breathing baby. Um, I started it with two other people. Um, to another uh, APD who's like a, you would consider like a check airman okay. here. And, um, and the, the line check airman side as well. So two check airmen and me, we really spearheaded it. And it was our, it was our fleet. And it was an incredible experience. And hired every single person on it. And um, I love that airplane. Mm. And I uh, got to deliver the very first one with the team. And oh, cool. That is, that is my baby. Yeah. I worked on that project with acquisitions and everybody. I mean, that was my fleet. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's like my, all my heart. Yeah. Um, and then I had Sebastian. And then I um, went out for maternity leave, kind of was like in a holding pattern. And then the 220 came about, and I was pregnant with the twins. So it's apparently like I have this pregnant new airplane would come with, <laughs> with, with Delta. <laughs> So I was pregnant with the 220, and I was pregnant with the 717. And um, when I had the twins, uh, that was like an experience altogether. And when I had the twins, um, at that time, this is past Colgan now, everything starts to get reformed. Now people are, I'm going to new hire dinners, and I'm being the table host, and I'm seeing people that just came out of all ATP and two years later, three years later are now sitting at these tables and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? You know, <laughs> like as much as I enjoy mentoring and developing and being a manager and leading, that's, I want to be on the other side of this table, yeah. you know? And so, um, 
when the twins were born, we kind of, Hamilton and I had like a three-year plan. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, what do you want to do? Kind of, I don't know if it was a midlife crisis, might have been. But I was more like just, this is the time now. Mm-hmm. This is my time to go. So I had already planned um, that I was already itching for a change. So the twins' first birthday, uh, we were just about to sing happy birthday to him, and I had to pause everybody to take a phone call for a pilot. My job at Delta was a position where I was the first call, first point of contact. If anything was to go awry with training, anything, I was responsible for those pilots. And so this pilot in particular was reaching the end of their opportunities to pass training. And it was going to be a long conversation. So um, I got done with this conversation and I just thought to myself, what am I doing? I literally just held up singing happy birthday to my children for a 45 minute conversation with a pilot. And I loved uh, being that support system, mentoring, you know, developing people, seeing their training progression, but um, not at the cost of my family life. Mm -hmm. And the only way to succeed in corporates, corporations was do more to get more. Mm-hmm. you know and uh there didn't seem to be a whole lot of get more of family time or get more of balance and um and at the end of the day I didn't have the passion that I had for wanting to just go fly yeah and so um I decided to take a um a big chunk of time I called it a sabbatical <laughs> and go get my CFI and see if this is really what I was going to do if I was going to make the leap now was time to do it mm-hmm. there was all these pathway programs being being built um, it seemed a lot more accessible to me now than it did 10 years ago. This was it. So I, um, I went and did the CFI Academy down at Falcon and Peachtree City and on my sabbatical. It cashed in all my sick and, and time off. And, um, and it was awesome. And I yeah. met fantastic connections and people that um, it was a great experience. I had nothing negative to say. It was it was great. Mm-hmm. And it just rekindled everything for me. I yeah. was like, oh, this is it. This yeah. is where I need to be. And so went back and I put in my um, put in a leave, an official leave. I said, Okay, I got my CFI. Guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a leave of absence. Um, whether or not they have a propel advanced program or not, they were talking about it, but they didn't have anything written. I said, I'm just gonna leave. And I had originally put that date as March twenty twenty. And then March 20 of 20 happened Mm. (laughs) and I was at my going away party that my my instructors were were pitching to me and I got a text message from one of my CFI Academy people that said hey don't quit your day job there's this you know everyone's getting sick and they're shutting things down now pandemic is what they're saying and I'm like are you kidding me like this is happening again so um it was like 9-11 all over again. Right. But this was my second chance. This was the chance to stick it out. Yeah. And my work was super amazing. They let me stay on until May of 2020, um, still working and grooming the person to replace me. And then in, 20, in, in May, I um, started flying full-time. So I got my CFI here at Superior. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started flying a King Air through Dean, my, the, my Delta dad yeah. connection through Delta. Um, put me in touch with this wonderful person with the King Air out in Carrollton. Um, and that was it's an incredible experience, just flying that King Air is so nice. And um, in a Part 91 operation, just like real gentle and super kind about where I was and, you know, uh, trying to groom me back to, yeah. to, to today's operation. And then um, I went to go 
I got a job flying a Metroliner, mm-hmm. and that did not work out. <laughs> mm, more sandpaper. <laughs> more sandpaper. Too much sandpaper. Yeah. Too much sandpaper. Too much grit. It was too yeah. high of a grit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there were <laughs> too high grit. There, there were just. I think they were a great company. I think they just didn't understand how certain things worked. Mm. And maybe not as they thought. Mm-hmm. So commuting just was not a an option. And that ended up being, you know, not working out for us and our family. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing negative about that. Sure. I would have been so much fun to fly full time. Mm-hmm. But I did go through training. And I came back here. Yeah. And I was able to explain. It actually worked out perfect timing because there wasn't a whole lot going on here at that time. Because you guys were just rebuilding. Yeah. And there wasn't, and, and there wasn't a need because nobody was moving anywhere. Yeah. And so by the time all that washed out, and I was flying, then um, the Citation, as well, mm-hmm. um, trying to get, you know, just I got some SIC time in a, in a Part One Thirty Five operation. Um, it worked out perfectly to bring me here and start CFI last year. Mm-hmm. I think it was last year. Times got moved really fast. Yeah. And then. The Propel program happened, right? The advanced one was actually launched right as I took my leave in May of 2020. So it was like perfect timing. Truly, like, I've, I know this sounds like very cheesy and not to get spiritual on you, but it was like, it was, it was like God was just waiting for me to take that leap. Yeah. As soon as I took that leap, all these things just fell into place. Yeah. Um, it was taking the leap. It was sh- getting the swift kick in the pants out the door. <laughs> um into the unknown, like walking into a pandemic that's, yeah. you know, pretty unknown and uncertain. But you were like, this is my time to fly. This is it. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. It's either it or not it yeah. for the rest of my life. And I don't want to be 65 saying I wish I would have. Mm. And even on these hard days, like when it's really hard and I don't think I'm going to get there, I think about being at that new hired dinner and I am not the table host. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about me being there and shaking the hand of the senior vice president and having my support group there cheering me on. Awesome. And that's that's what keeps me motivated. I I really do want to get back to to Delta. That is my goal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right now I've got an amazing opportunity flying Medivac on the Lear 45. Yeah. And, um, uh, oh my gosh, it's such a great job. It is such a great job. I, I have learned so much about uh, about high altitude jets and performance. Um, and I have learned a lot about, uh, operational decision making. Uh, you know, we don't have like a true dispatch team like you would in a 121 world. We have a logistics team, but they're handling more than just dispatching the flight. They're dispatching Mm -hmm. ambulances and they're getting medical crews involved and they're getting patient services on the side. And, and maybe that patient also has a passenger and that passenger has to follow them. There's a lot more they're putting together. So we do a lot of our flight planning and our runway analysis and, uh, you know, um, considerations for, for weather and diversion and alternates. And you have to think more. And I like that. It's challenging and it keeps me on my toes. And, and it's also like a dream come true because I'm able to use my gift to help other people. And that is beautiful last week had me all in my feels because i had nothing but babies to transport oh Oh my gosh all in my feels all right everyone we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break and then when we get back we're gonna go ahead and talk a little bit more with Susie about her medevac job
All right, everyone, we are back and uh, we're here with Susie and she's going to, um, you know, give us some more stories about um, her current uh, position flying, which is with an air ambulance. Right. Yeah. So air ambulance, we fly Lear 45s. We're based out of Lawrenceville, um, Northeast uh, Atlanta, but we fly all over and um, I mean, all over. The range of that airplane is is pretty big. And so, I mean, we could even, four hours is not too much for the plane to fly. So last week was, I was like a ping pong. Mm. Um, I was north, south, north, south. I think I was mentioning that earlier before we started the show. But, you know, like Latrobe, Pennsylvania to San Juan, Puerto Rico. Um, And then a couple of rotations before that, it was like Sacramento to uh, Teterboro. Yeah, so all of the experiences that I've had, you know, flight instructing and doing my CFII here with with everybody. I did it with a few people. Yeah. So um, we're, we're just pinnacle. They were really mm-hmm. helpful for, for stepping into that kind of operation because it's not like I'm just going to small town one-off places. I'm mm-hmm. also going to Minneapolis mm-hmm. and JFK and Boston and Dallas and, mm-hmm. you know, Atlanta and shooting things down to minimums and um, flying complicated approaches, uh, arrivals and approaches. So uh, having all of that experience and being able to teach it has helped tremendously in tr- uh, to that kind of operation where it's high mm-hmm. speed. Mm-hmm. you got to be on your game. And you got to know what well, you're that's doing. Well, that's a really, um, you know, for people who don't know exactly, like, what what is an air ambulance? Like, what is oh, this? Yeah. What is this? Um, I don't, I feel like this isn't a, a pilot career path that's talked about a lot. Yeah. So like for people who don't know, like what is an air ambulance? What, what do you do like other than transporting patients? Yeah. Well, yeah. So I think when most people think of air ambulance, they think of a helicopter, right? Okay. They think of a helicopter rotor mm-hmm. going from picking up a patient, let's say, you know, in a cornfield someplace and bringing them to um, a hospital mm-hmm. close by. And yes, that is one form of air ambulance they have. Um, but this is a jet and we, f- we usually transfer people a little bit more stable. So the jet is fixed wing, obviously, and it goes a much further distance. So most of the time, let's say um, you are in need of critical care. Um, our jet has uh, six seats and it also has a medical bed in the back. And then you have a crew of um, at least a medic and a nurse and sometimes more, depending on what kind of patient you're bringing. Mm-hmm. So let's say it's a baby and the baby has breathing issues. They need a specific respiratory therapist to come along. Oh, wow. Um, uh, or let's say um, it is a baby and you have a specific like baby pod that they have to go in and okay. you have to have somebody who's certified to work with pediatric oh, wow. people. Right. Um, on the flip side... Uh, maybe it's somebody who needs critical care. Like mm-hmm. we are watching them heavily throughout the entire flight and mm-hmm. we might have to divert. Oh, wow. Um, which almost happened on the last rotation with a baby and that was oh. sad. Yeah. Um, I told you, it had me on my feels. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, most of the time, it's somebody very stable and um, they are... They are um, needing just transport from like one care facility to another okay um sometimes that's like from the islands like uh for example we we transported somebody a couple weeks ago from bermuda Mm -hmm. who was on vacation and they needed to uh get to delaware to go to john hopkins oh wow yeah 
um, and or there was somebody that um, you know in one other case it might be a kid mm-hmm. who had an accident and is going to spinal care someplace oh. and it all has to do with insurance oh. it all has to do with what your insurance will cover for you oh, wow. Uh, most insurances cover some sort of transportation, and if it's a transport that is necessary of need of care, your doctor recommends that you be at another facility that has more specialized care. Insurance approves it, and then we fly them. Um, and then we have a whole team of litigation uh, on the back office side that handles all of the insurance claims and makes sure wow. that they get paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. It is um, interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, you fly... All different people from different walks of life, mm-hmm. and uh, but it's a, it's it's really rewarding to yeah. see people, yeah, and their families being cared for in that way. Mm-hmm. Well, like you mentioned, like you have a passion for helping people and a passion for flying. Boom! It's the it is truly like the biggest blessing. I feel That's awesome. Medivac's actually easier than you think. A lot of these programs that have these Learjets, they will um, they will entertain somebody around the 600, 700 hour mark. Um, they want to see, uh, they want to see that you have a CFI mm-hmm. and that you have that knowledge base. Mm-hmm. Um, see if double I is even better because they know now that you know instrumentation and you know how mm-hmm. to fly in the soup and you know how that works. Um, so they would prefer a CFII. Does it is it necessary? No, um, but they want to see strong strong instrument skills. Um, Six hundred to seven hundred hours are most of a, most of the medevac places, and they are looking for someone who's going to stay there a little bit because they're going to invest in you. Mm-hmm. Like at this place that I work for, they're wonderful. They gave me a full type rating, PIC type rating, right out of the gate. So I know exactly the same amount that the PIC knows. And um, it's very standard with call-outs and, you know, and everything. So you're not getting a different flavor with whoever captain you're flying sure. with. Um, and I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then they're hoping that you stick around for a few years. Um, I, you know, it, it's a wonderful opportunity for time growth because you get the same experience you would get at a regional, but before you get to that point, mm-hmm. you know, and you build time quickly. I think in the month of January I had 75 hours and wow. I work eight days on six days off. So that's a lot of time. And when I'm gone, I want to be flying. If I'm away from my family, please keep me moving. Yeah. Cause I don't want to be sitting in a hotel wishing I was home, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, uh, and they do, they move you. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, Incredible opportunity. I I've, I really feel so grateful. And to get into that, it's well, I got into this because of um, a gentleman I met in the CFI Academy. Oh. He was doing it, and he was a he was an A and P as well. And I thought very highly of his um, of his review of places mm-hmm. because of having the A and P background mm-hmm. in a in a previous. Uh, organization that I worked for maintenance was not as highly thought of Mm -hmm. um so uh that was a concern for me to go to any place else out of CFIing I wasn't looking to to go anyplace else I was looking just to flight instruct and here Mm -hmm. and then um when he called me and said that they were hiring and he thought of me and and I thought that was really cool and I was like well tell me what you think and he's like I you know I would tell you if I thought something was on Mm -hmm. the DL, but no, this is, this, uh, this place is on the up and up and mm-hmm. they really care. And it truly, um, I've seen that so far and I really like that. I think they, they have to take more care, um, because they are medevac. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. there is a lot more watchful eyes over them. So I really enjoy that aspect mm-hmm. of it. I think Quest and some of the organ parts, they have different working hours, um, more backside of the clock than we do. So for, it, uh, for, for me, this works out even better. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great time building. I mean, but so is, you know, pipeline, aerial survey. So you choose you, boo-boo. But <laughs> I, I enjoy what I'm doing because there's a, a benefit there too. I feel like I'm actually doing good. Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm giving back in some way. That's so cool. So I, and I, the, this organization in particular is a, it, I feel is very solid. Mm-hmm. I would recommend them to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, with that being said, let's um, go ahead and end the podcast on, um, you know, swinging back to yeah. women in aviation. So, um, you know, women in aviation, conference is this weekend um so you know all the girls and women out there who are going to be attending that conference looking to get into aviation what advice do you have for them i I, i've been in women in aviation since 98 okay okay and i remember going to women aviation early on in my career and seeing a wasp talk and someone was asking this individual how do you balance being a mother and being also a pilot and doing this career. And um, what she said is still rings very true. You better have a really good support system. Mm-hmm. And that is still the truth. I could not do anything I do today without a good support system. I think our ideals for uh, diversity inclusion are all in the right place, but we do not set up support for people to take those jumps in the right way. We're just now starting to. And, um, but those support systems were never in place before. So before you had to make a decision, will I work or will I be home and raise children? And there were stigmas with either one of those choices. Okay. And I think we're finally getting to a point where those stigmas are broken down. We're saying, yes, you can do everything, but you really can't cause you're a human being mm-hmm. and only all human beings can do only so much. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you're outnumbered, you know? three plus a husband, four on one is really tough. Mm-hmm. So you have to have support. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you find that support not only in like, you know, who you choose as a partner, but also in who you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And also with, um, the choices you make for career, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, you don't have to know it all. You don't have to know how every single piece is going to work. I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to know this is going to be the next step and, oh, I'm going to do this and, oh, I'm going to take this step because it's going to make it faster to get here and here and here. Here's the funny thing. Uh, That sometimes doesn't work Mm -hmm. because it's called life. Uh, I think you just take the opportunities as they come to you and um, you go in with the best attitude and you give it your all. If it doesn't work out, it's okay. Guess what? There's other options and there's other choices and there's going to be moments where you have to maybe sidetrack or backtrack to get back to another place. I don't regret any of my career. Yeah. For, um, was it a straight line to Delta as a pilot? No. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but do I regret it? Absolutely not. It has made me um, more appreciative for flying yeah. in this role. And I've gotten some amazing experiences I'll never be able to recreate. And um, I think that I would tell people that encourage uh, women specifically, there's more than just the pilot role. Yeah, There is more than just going to work, flying in the right seat and going home. Also, um, 
it doesn't have to always be just on you, mm-hmm. you know, share the load. Like we do this in, in the cockpit all the time. We call it like expanding your team. Yeah. I have to do that at home too. expand mm-hmm. your team. Mm-hmm. You can have it all. You just need help. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I could not ask for, for a very long time. Lots of therapy. I'm a big uh, proponent of therapy, have lots of therapy <laughs> and um, also <laughs> get to know yourself and, um, and learn how to expand your team, find a good mentors. Yeah. It's not something you can go up to and be like, hi, would you mentor me? Right. But no, but I mean, put yourself out there. And that that's not just female, by the way. That's everybody. Yeah. Okay? So that's not just women in aviation. That's all peoples in mm-hmm. aviation. Put yourself out there and have a good attitude and give it your best. The opportunities will come to you. Yeah. If you go in talking how big you are, banging on your chest and acting like you know it all and um, and or having a gruff attitude and being all grumpy and sour, you're not going to have those opportunities. Yeah. They're not going to find you. You'll get lost in the shuffle and then you'll become even more bitter and depressed. But if you, and I'm not saying like fake it till you make it. I'm right. just saying find what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Find that passion that keeps you going and go pursue that. And the things will come to you. They really do. Yeah. I don't know why. Absolutely. Well, Susie, this has been such a pleasure. <laughs> I think we need to have a whole like runoff podcast, the Susie Barrett show. <laughs> I really think so. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for being here oh, today for and, me. and sharing all of your stories and yeah. all your experience. Um, this has been such a, such a treat. Oh, well, it was a pleasure. I'm very honored. That was very sweet of you to ask. I think you bit off more than you could chew with getting me. <laughs> I'm your host, Kat Granary, and thanks for listening to As the Prop Turns. We'd like to thank our engineer, Tyler Whittington, and our sponsor, Anchor, for making all this possible. And of course, all of our listeners. Be sure to check us out on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, and Facebook, handle at Superior Flight School. And remember, any landing you walk away from is a good one. <laughs>